Private Lender Podcast, Episode 78. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from Neil Peart, who said, Quick to judge, quick to anger, slow to understand, ignorance, prejudice, and fear walk hand in hand. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. Greetings to everyone within earshot and welcome to the Private Lender Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Baker, and you're listening to episode number 78. If you're looking for practical tips and advice on mitigating and eliminating risk with the investment vehicle known as private mortgage lending, then you're in the right place. But if you want to learn from my mistakes so that you can avoid them, then pull up a chair, my friend. This podcast is created for those who are looking to take control of their financial future by doing what it takes to create wealth in the marathon of life with old world techniques and values. I want to create a tribe of lenders that will disrupt the way we think about and teach our kids about money and all but eliminate the need for the quote-unquote too-big-to-fail banking system. This episode is sponsored by Quest Trust Company and specifically their self-directed IRA Expo being held in Houston this year, this August 23rd through 25th. I attended last year in Dallas and I'm excited to take part again uh, in the expo this year. It's in my backyard in Houston. I'm really looking forward to it. And Quest really goes out of the way to create uh, really, really great networking and education opportunities that benefit not just real estate investors or note or loan investors, but all types of investors. And I highly recommend you make the trip to attend. And if you do, stop by and uh, say hello, please. I love to meet listeners and to uh, learn about you guys. So you can go to the privatelenderpodcast.com forward slash expo for the link to purchase your ticket and use promo code PLPODCAST for a 25% discount off the already low price. I think it's 300 bucks for a three-day event, uh, and you get 25% off of that with the promo code PLPODCAST. I don't see any, any revenue from that, but I do get some basically recognition from Quest, which um, I think they're all great people over there, and uh, I'm proud to sponsor the expo and proud that they are sponsoring uh, this podcast. So PLP, I'm uh, sorry, private lender podcast.com forward slash expo and use the promo code PL podcast. So today's episode is going to be geared for newbies or people who might be unsure how to start or where to kind of start the conversation with a potential borrower. And it goes hand in hand with, uh, I guess, sort of an announcement. Uh, I'm proud to announce, I'm happy to announce, I'm relieved to announce that you can finally now get uh, your copy of the Private Lenders Loan Application Guide and Checklist over at the website, privatelenderpodcast.com. And I'm going to kind of walk you through it a little bit today. So uh, if you have it, don't have it yet, uh, I would you know go get it and save this episode for later. Uh, when you can sit down at a desk and, and kind of look through it. So if you're running, driving to work, obviously you're not going to be able to do those things or at the gym. So if you, if you have to, then go ahead and pause it and come back later. You can go to privatelenderpodcast.com and just uh, sign up anywhere. Uh, any sign up form that you see, name and email, uh, fill that out and you will get the private lenders loan application guide and checklist. And I put it together 
to kind of walk through a couple of ideas or themes and notions, and I'm going to go through those with you here today. I've always said that when it comes to a loan, I like to look at the person, uh, their process, and then the property. And that's what I lay out in this in this checklist. You want to know how much real estate investing experience they have, if they're just starting off, or if they're new, politely send them over to hard money lenders. That's what they're there for, is to, to really help new people, new people, newbies, first timers be successful and let them do it with hard money, not yours. That's, that's my suggestion. Look for, you know, if you have a, a, a borrower who's been doing this for 20 years and they're a flipper and they continue to flip, that's great. That's someone you might be comfortable with, especially if you have a good relationship with them. If you have a flipper or let's say, let's say you have a landlord who wants to go into flipping that process I'm not too comfortable with because here's somebody who's succeeded as or succeeded as a flipper rehabber and now wants to switch gears. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I just messed that up. Didn't I? Someone who's successful as a landlord, but now they want to switch gears and get some quick cash. Again, I would send them over to the hard money folks until they get uh, a few flips under their belt. It's a, it's a little bit different game and I like to invest with people who know what they're doing and stay in their lane. So that is a touch on the person you want to know if do they have what's their record like and not just a criminal record or any what was their record as a person do that have they been arrested a lot you know one or two times okay or not saying okay but you know, what was the what were the circumstances behind it do they have judgments against them have they been sued because here's this is where it gets tricky because I, I i'm trying to think of someone who's landlorded for a very long time who at least wasn't threatened to be sued or contacted by attorneys, by tenants that know how to game the system, so to speak. Uh, and I'm not trying to condone slumlords or anything like that. It's just I know some good people who have been sued uh, as landlords, frivolously, but um, unfortunately sued nonetheless. So if they do have judgments or they have been sued, find out why. You know, are, are they behind on child support? Uh, you know. What are what, what? Find out the reason. Do they have lousy credit because they just got divorced, or you know, have they gone through a really crappy life event like uh, you know, someone getting sick, or they themselves getting sick? But I also want to know if the person that I'm loaning to has a reputation to uphold in their investing or their real estate investing community. That they, those things kind of help 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 you mitigate risk, so that when you go into the loan, it's pretty much a no-brainer, but that person is, at, at the end of the day, you're lending to a person. Yes, there's a deal, there's a property, but at the end of the day, there's a person, and, and that's where I think you should you should start with. At least that's where I do. And their process, like I said, what do they do? Are they, you know, is this their 100th rehab flip, or is this their 32nd rental property? Then, you know, I, I have a comfort level with that. And then you look at the property. And you know, is it a is it a property class that you're comfortable? Is it single family? Is it multi? Is it a small multi? What is the deal? Most of this is going to be geared towards single family. This checklist that I've provided and and the guide is loans towards single family. In the future, I will have other property classes, but for now, this is where I'm trying to follow the the, the model of most people get into single family and then move on up. I'm trying to do the same thing with this podcast and with the the checklist and guides and stuff like that. So. 
um, this is all going to be geared towards a single family flip or you know, it could be an owner finance deal or it could be a landlord, a buy and hold. But you get to the last page and there's basically the checklist. Who's the borrower? Who are they? What's their experience? I like to see some type of portfolio of what they've done in a, an investor profile. So basically what that means and what type of portfolio do they have? What, what, how can they demonstrate their experience? Can they show me some HUD statements, a loan application, a loan request, app, you know, fill, it, fill out an application, get the basics from them. If you're lending to an entity, you definitely want to get the formation documents for the entity, articles of incorporation, uh, DBA, organization. Who are the players who's involved under that name of you know, real estate investor LLC? And for every individual that's a member of the LLC or for every individual that I loan to, I ask for a copy of the driver's license and social security card just in case. That's kind of my little insurance policy. I wouldn't want a loan without knowing exactly having a state number or a federal number to track these people down in case the worst does ultimately end up happening. That way it's, you know, you don't run, you don't necessarily have to run credit right off the bat. I like to let them do it through uh, something that doesn't ding them on their credit, like Credit Karma or one of those sites. However, if things do go south, I'm going to be ready to act quick. And if I have a social security card and a driver's license, I can do so. The other option, or I'll say the option one, look at the other thing when it comes to the borrowers, can they repay the loan as agreed? You know, do they have enough reserves? Are they a full-time real estate investor? You know, it, uh, if they're not, if they're, you know, if they have a full-time job, then let's, let's, if they say, let, I, I like to request pay stubs just to see if people are telling the truth. Most recent tax return as well helps out. Uh, it, you know, it gets complicated with when people leave the corporate world and become a real estate investor because now they're unbankable. So I, I want to see why they're unbankable. I want to see that to prove that they're unbankable. Uh, that helps me feel a little, you know, a little better with a person, especially if I don't know them that well, but I tend to loan to people I know. Not always, but I tend to. So you can also look for bank statements. Uh, I look for business and personal as well. I want to see if, 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 the, co- if the cost of the loan is going to cost, if the price of the loan is going to cost them $5,000 for, let's say, for a rehab flip. I want to make sure they've got that five grand ready to go. And, you know, and, they, and they can pay some draws up front. I love to see that construction draws. They're ready to go. They've got money. So they, they'll pay the contractors. Then they request a draw from me, so I send out the inspector. They check it off. Boom, we can wire the money. Uh, usually within twenty four hours to replenish the the borrower's bank account and, and to continue the the rehab of the property. I like to see additional personal assets, investments, investment properties. Again, back to the portfolio of the real estate investment experience. Do they have four hundred one ks, four hundred three bs, pension, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, whatever? Fidelity Schwab. Do they have cash? If if something goes south, do they have cash to make their lender whole in the meantime? That's what I want to see. I also want to have them execute a business loan disclosure, which basically says this loan is for a non-owner occupant. This is a business loan to an investor. That investor cannot spend any time, habitate the you know, occupy or habitate the property other than to fix it up, sell it, or to lease it out to someone else. But that person, the person I'm loaning the money to, cannot use that house as a residence. 
because now that becomes a retail loan or a consumer loan and the rules change and the consumers protected much more than the business folks because the government and the laws basically assume if you're doing business and you should know what you're doing. And we all know that predatory lending does exist to certain folks and we saw it in the last downturn. So I always want to make sure they get, uh, and I get an executed business loan disclosure so they know that they're not allowed to live in the property. If they do want to live in a property, that's fine, but there's a whole other avenue to go down, which this checklist doesn't cover. So just want to tell you about that. Now, on the property, I want to see the earnest money contract with all addendums and or assignments. I like to get local neighborhood statistics. Now, I don't necessarily require that from the the borrower. I hope that they have some of that in their due diligence and their package that they present and some of the documentation that they present to me. But you know, you can make money in in high crime areas. You can make money in low crime areas. It just depends on what you like. I know people who buy houses for $20,000, lease them out and don't have any contracts with people. It's month to month and they pretty much know that at some point they're going to they're going to have to evict. And so they they plan for it. It's not the type of investing I want to do, but maybe it is something that maybe your one of your borrowers want to do and they're comfortable with that. And they know that there's good money, there's good cash flow in those types of properties if you know how to manage them. And if you get someone who can manage, operate and manage them good that or well, then that for the lender, you'll never even know as long as they make their payments. And your paid is agreed, everything is fine. I like to see a scope of repair and or the bids. I want to see it all. I want to see who's coming out to the property. Who's, you know, is it their cousin who lays tile, just throwing out some random numbers? Or is it, uh, do they have a contractor that's come out and said, okay, you want to flip or whatever. This is what we're going to do to get it to a habitable condition. This is what it's going to cost. Does the scope of repairs, do the, do the repairs, are they, are they uh, appropriate for the neighborhood? That's why I also like to look at the comps uh, as well. But don't get, don't get your comps from the borrower because they're going to they're gonna put lipstick on that pig. You go get your own comps or rely on the, the appraiser. I also want to have permission to visit or inspect the property and access lockbox code or whatever. That's for local. Uh, like I said, I start off... Um, if you're new, I suggest you start local before you cross county lines or state lines, but be able to go touch and see, smell the property that you're you're investing in and putting money on first. So I want permission. Just because I'm the lender doesn't mean I can go to the property whenever I want. So I like to get permission. I also like to see a recent survey of the subject property. I want to I know that something is, is recent when I say like, you know, five years is uh, what I would consider fairly recent, as long as nothing has been constructed, torn down, or anything else like that. Uh, I mentioned appraisal. You want to get your appraisal. You want to get a, or a CMA, broker price opinion, something. I like to do my own comps. I like to dig into them. And uh, usually appraisers will give links into your MLS system that you can drill down into the photos and look at the the furnishings and the treatments, or the, uh, sorry, the finishes on the property so that you're you're not providing a, a, a retail loan to some or providing a loan to somebody who's going to go into a house and, and put formica or laminate countertops when the rest of the neighborhood is marble. Vice versa, you don't want to put marble in, in a neighborhood that everything else is going to be laminate. You want to know what's around and uh, make sure that your investor, your borrower is is keen on that and that they're not going to over or under serve the property. And it goes without saying, you're going to get a copy of clear title commitment and the closer contact info. 
And then there's the insurance policies. And what happens is you get binders. Uh, so the policies won't accept until the day of closing. So you, won't, the, you yourself won't have the policy. But the insurance companies give what's called a binder where they will say, okay, upon closing, this property insurance will be in place. Same thing, you're definitely going to get a lender's title policy for the full amount of your loan to make sure that you're made whole in case, God forbid, something happens. I want to see that evidence of property hazard insurance or the binder. And the limits must be no less than 100% of the ARV and or anticipated listing price. And if it's going to be a short term, I like I like to see where there's going to be at least a, a six-month policy put in place or some type of short-term policy. I don't mind lenders only getting a few, or sorry, borrowers only getting a few months of insurance when they're going to be flipping a house and, and, and turning it fairly quickly. But while they do own it and while my money's on that house, I want to make damn sure that I've got some some property insurance, hazard insurance there. And because I live in the Houston area now, I require um, flood insurance through FEMA's uh, National Flood Insurance Program. It's still dirt cheap, um, cheapest insurance there is out there. And a lot of people don't understand that homeowners or uh, landlord policies, dwelling policies do not cover flood from a hurricane or a river. They don't cover flood at all. And I like to see, like I said, I want to see those binders ready to go. I want to see what those limits of the policies are going to be. Just so that, you know, if let's say simple math, an ARV of a house is going to be a hundred grand and I'm loaning 50 on it. I want to make sure that if anything, that thing burns down that I like to see the hundred grand there because or the limit of a hundred grand for the ARV, not including the property because what I, I probably should do an old episode on this, but there's something called the co-insurance clause, which I believe I spoke about uh, last episode. But if you don't insure at least 80 or 90% of the ARV or what the the true property value is. If there is a claim, then the insurance companies will deduct or you'll only get, say, let's say if you insure a $100,000 house for 50000 and you completely get wiped out. So let's say a hurricane comes through or a tornado and that 100000 is is out, but you've put limits on for fifty. All you get is fifty. So if you're the lender, maybe you get paid back. If you put 50, if you're down, you know, if you're only in there for 50, 50 grand, where it really bites is let's say that $100,000 home has a claim and the borrower has only put a $50,000 limit or 50% of the value on insurance, then if there's a $50,000 claim, half of that house is damaged and has to be rebuilt. You know, insurance is only going to pay for half of it. That will pay according to the percentage that uh, value that you insured. So that's why I say, you know, get 100% of the ARV value protects you, protects the borrower, and it's just an extra, a little, a little cushion, so to speak, in uh, in, in you know, trying to keep uh, trying to keep your money safe. So if you want to go get your private lenders loan application guide and checklist, again, go to privatelenderpodcast.com, and I've. Uh, I'm I'm experimenting with this little pop-up so that when it looks like you're going to leave the page, it'll pop up and it's, uh, it's got all the wrong copy and everything uh, on it, but I, uh, I'm going to try to change it here shortly. Uh, but I just wanted to get it out there and, so, and get it into people's hands. And I would like to know what you think about it. Uh, so please uh, email me, Keith at private lender podcast.com. Uh, you know, if there's something that you think is missing or uh, you have some questions, just go ahead and shoot them off. And I will uh, do my best to get the uh, get them answered for you 
really quickly. So that's it uh, for today. Relatively short episode, but long-winded uh, to go through that uh, guide and checklist. Remember, Quest, IR, uh, Quest Trust Company Self-Directed IRA Expo this August 23rd through 25th at the Royal Senesta in Houston. I will be there. Go to privatelenderpodcast.com forward slash expo for your link and use promo code PL podcast for your 25% discount on the already low, low cost ticket, low price ticket. So with that, I will bid you adieu. I look forward to seeing you guys again or speaking to you again next week. And I wish everyone out there happy and prosperous investing in private lending. Catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time.